When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Episode 17, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next, I want to say, 25 minutes or so. David Alter, publisher, reporter, inside the Maple Leafs from the SI Media Group is our guest today. Before we get going, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially when summer hits. With tons of ways to better your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That is correct. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down an all-major league action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same game parlay spreads and money lines over unders and props your betting options feel like they're endless because they are best of all DraftKings is safe secure and reliable you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want here is the call to action download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use the promo code THPN make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 that's the promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for complete details all right under the hockey story and the Leafs are in this interesting period of games now where they're playing teams that are much, much worse. In fact, they're at the bottom of the league. 3-0 win in Columbus, 4-3 loss at home to Columbus. Dreadful second period in that game. And Wednesday night at home to Chicago, 5-2. The game was never in doubt. Saturday at home to Montreal. Sunday in Chicago. Tuesday in Buffalo. So what is that? That's a six-game spread against lesser lights in the league. Now, Montreal can cause problems. We know that, and so can Buffalo. So we'll see how they come out of this. But 2-1 and one so far in the three games. Then they come home for a game against Minnesota. Then Hit the road for one, two, three, four, five games. Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and it ends up in New Jersey. And that takes us into the first week of March and past the trade deadline. Oh, what will the Leafs do at the trade deadline? Isn't that an intriguing situation? What will they do before the trade deadline? Will they jump to the front of the race? Let's now dive into our conversation with David Alter. He is the publisher reporter for Inside the Maple Leafs from the SI Media Group. David, the Leafs are in this stretch of games, uh, six games against subpar teams, with all due respect. Uh, they're 2-1 and one so far. That second period on Saturday night against Columbus was a real stinker. Uh, they responded nicely Wednesday against Chicago, though, didn't they? 
Yeah, they did. And uh, it's it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, we get to watch these games in the press box and everything, and certain games have a different vibe and feel than others. And essentially the vibe even after the game and during the game was just do what you're expected to do. The Leafs were a heavy favorite, one of the highest ranked favorites in terms of Vegas odds or or, or bookmakers that you would ever see between two teams in the NHL. And um, from an advanced stats point, from a puck possession, from a from an everything standpoint, the Leafs did what they set out to do. There weren't really lapses. There were a couple times where you know they got scored against quickly after they opened the the scoring, and then there was a three two early in the second period. But uh, but apart from that, the game never really felt like it was out of reach for Toronto. And so this wasn't like the games against Columbus where uh, the opponents were kind of hanging around. Um, and then even Sheldon Keefe's comments afterwards just kind of saying that they're not even going to take anything from the tape, good or bad, from this game kind of speaks volumes about the level of the opponent that that came into the building and really the significance of the game overall. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and it's another example of how this team can play within itself and not try and run up the score or not think that they have to um, dazzle. I mean, in terms of I sat in the seats for this game, uh, the crowd was pretty low key. I have to say it was it was a sort of a pedestrian type game. But in the past, we've seen them fritter those opportunities away, including Saturday night against Columbus. Yeah, well, so my biggest takeaway, and I recorded this on my phone, like I thought about making it a TikTok story or something because it was something I had not seen. And you've you've been to a lot of games like myself where tell me if I'm wrong here. Leafs would score a goal. There'd be the obligatory get up and cheer the goal. But yep. maybe within 10 to 15 seconds, everyone was already back in their seat and the building was quiet with the exception yep. of the goal song. Yeah, like it absolutely. was so it was so strange. It was it was so strange how I don't want to say apathetic. Like we we talk about, you know, the, the type of crowd at those games. And sometimes like I think I even saw in resale tickets went as low as 30 bucks. But there were Blackhawk fans. I saw Blackhawk yeah. jerseys there. And granted, there isn't a lot to cheer for uh, if you're a Blackhawks fan this season, except for what's coming with the draft and 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 things like that. But I just couldn't believe that against an original 16 like, despite how bad they were, you know, there's still stars on the team that I thought there'd be some sort of vibe or excitement. And, like, both sides just were just kind of like, eh, it's just a game and don't don't show any personality on this. Because it it just, you know, Sheldon's comments afterwards echoed everything about that game. That, like, you know, for the, for the people who champion that the season's too long... And it needs to be short. This was an ex- excellent example. Leafs really can't go up or down except second or third, right? And yeah. they know who they're going to play. Chicago knows what they're going for. And then the vibe in there was just, you know, go back to your phone after the goal is scored. Like, that's really what this kind of felt. It was it was such a dud game. And, you know, Montreal on a Saturday night coming up, there should be that vibe. That should be fun, I hope. Like, uh, like, I, I, you know, I can't take anything for granted now, but that was just such a dud game. Like, I could not believe how after a goal would be scored that the crowd just kind of like it was quiet. I looked around, I panned the crowd and I just saw people are back in their seats and no one's really reacting after the, the very quick strike. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. My description really of that weird. is everybody went, yeah. And then said, yes, guy and sat down. 
<laughs> of course they said yes guy i forgot to mention that uh but yeah but it was just so it's so strange even for a toronto crowd we rail on the crowd a lot for sometimes the vibe not being in there and i get it everyone's kind of waiting for the playoffs like there isn't a lot of sizzle in this season right now because of where they are and, and you know that that that's a whole other conversation for playoff system which was talked about in the yeah. in the all-star game from from a lot of top players like Sidney crosby so i don't know it's um it, it felt like that and it was it felt like a dud game. It was hard to stay engaged, whether you were a reporter, whether you were a fan at the game, whether you were a participant at the game. The, the bigger story was Patrick Kane, and then he wasn't even allowed to talk after the media, like after the game to the media. So, like that, the bigger story was where's Patrick Kane going to play beyond March third, and and everyone was kind of waiting to talk to him after the game because there was no availability pregame because they played the night before, and and then when. They elected not to speak to the media. It was like, well, what was this game supposed to be about? I don't know. And and clearly, Sheldon Keith agreed <laughs> with that with that sentiment. You don't you don't usually get that, but that was that was pretty candid and honest that the coach came out and even said it unprompted, mind you. Yeah, and the Kane reference that you made is is perfect because uh, I'm watching Kane and I go, well, that's Mitch Marner's older brother. I mean, they're they're eerily similar, and you could appreciate that when you see them both on the ice, sometimes at the same time, and you watch what they do, and you go, so how would that, just, you know, without the dollar figures, how would the Patrick Kane fit on the Leafs be? And you go, well, you wouldn't play him with Tavares and Marner, but you could move him up with Matthews and Nylander and drop bunting down. That could be effective. Yeah, no, it, it certainly could. And there's no doubt in my mind that someone like a Patrick Kane could help the Toronto Maple Leafs, like in terms of depth, in terms of scoring touch. Uh, it seems like he needs a bit of a renewed vigor. And the fact that the New York, the fact that he was so openly vocal about the Vancouver, uh, sorry, the uh, New York Rangers getting Vladimir Tarasenko yeah and 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 for the first time just kind of opening up about man that sucks that was a team i was kind of looking at i mean he didn't say it exactly like that but i'm paraphrasing and idea yeah and so so i mean that that shows that he's open to being moved so there's there's interest there and you know, and Carl Koliakovo reported uh, on his radio show that um, that he had heard from people he's connected to that the Rangers and the Leafs were kind of like two teams he'd be open to. And so there's no doubt in my mind that someone like like him fits. Is, is it the number one need that the Leafs, in terms of what they're going for? I, I'm not sure. I do think as good as Patrick Kane would help, and if the Leafs only have room for one forward... I'm still of the belief that a third line center probably helps them better. Like uh, both, both of them would help with their bottom six, like Kane or, or a, a bona fide center. But I think a bona fide center helps just because I think you saw how exposed the Leafs were in the event, Austin Matthews or even John Tavares or whatever happens to their center right. depth. Like I, I really feel like their center depth is weak. And you can have all the forwards you want, but if you don't have someone who can play center, uh, you you can really be exposed. Now, granted, Nick Felino was hurt two years ago, but remember when the Leafs had to put him at center during that round against Montreal because they really didn't have any other options? Like, I, I just look at Stanley Cup winning teams from the past few years, and I see how strong that third-line center is, and I feel like that's really the missing piece right now for the Maple Leafs. 
Well, I think I totally agree. I mean, just go back to the game they played against Boston not that long ago, and clearly, again, the matchup difference, as it has been for the last seven years, is the Bruins' third and fourth lines. And the Leafs' third and fourth lines don't match up. So that, you know, if, if you get by Tampa and you go into Boston, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and look, I think David Camp would probably be best served as the fourth-line center in that spot. Like, he's been good. I think his play has dropped off a little this year compared to last year. I think last year was a career year for him. But I do think you don't want to go into the playoffs with Pontus Holmberg as your fourth-line center. Like, as good as he's been in the regular season, you really don't want to put untested rookies into that situation and just kind of hope that it works out in a playoff scenario where the games are very different. Pontus Holmberg's had a great rookie year, uh, and he came out pretty strong. But I, I, I do feel that moving David Camp down to a fourth-line center role uh, to strengthen the fourth line and acquiring a bona fide elite swing second, third-line center spot would help them tremendously because then you can move other guys to wing and strengthen that and really build out your third and fourth lines and get some real consistency there. And as you mentioned, you know, it was an, it, it was a weak point of weakness for the Leafs against the lightning last year. Yes. And I, I really do think that they do need to figure out ways to address that. And with the little cap space they have, I don't know if they're going to have room to get two guys. Like it might just be one guy. Now granted they're miracle workers. They can, try and make some money work and maybe there's going to be guys on LTI that are just on injured reserve right now, but not on LTI and that could make some money. But uh, right now, I mean, to me, it's the third line center as good as Patrick Kane is. Uh, I feel like a Ryan O'Reilly or even a Jonathan Taves might actually suit the Leafs better. Yeah. And I didn't mean to soft sell Tampa. I mean, let's go back to last year. Their third and fourth lines were better than the Leafs' third and fourth lines. Nick Paul did a nice job. And yeah. I mean, their, their fourth line, uh, you know, and, and uh, Colorado's fourth line, probably the two best fourth lines in the business. So that's what you're up against in a, in a tight series. If you're talking about six or seven games, that's the sway. So, so let's go back to that, that other theory. We're talking about Patrick Kane. And, and I think that this is a, a sort of a broad stroke question. But when you look at the Leafs, their, their core players are so well-defined that you're looking to bring somebody in of, of some kind of stature and ability that doesn't uh, that doesn't clash but meshes with what's already there. And I, and I think the Leafs have done a good job. When you look at that blue line uh, and you compare it to other blue lines around the league uh, t- in terms of top-end sizzle talent, the Leafs don't have it on that blue line, but it's very effective. And, you know, the easy thing to say, well, let's get the, the Eric Carlson, Chickard, or whoever, put him in there. But how does that person, how does that player mesh with what's already there? I don't know if that's a fit. Well, yeah, because, look, I mean, to try and grab that type of player, like like a number one, like an Adam Fox or like a Kale McCarr, there's just so few in this league that you, if you don't have – or Carlson's the way Carlson's playing right now, that if you don't have that, those guys are like a Roman Yossi or any of those guys that we mentioned, then you kind of have to do it by committee or you kind of have to just kind of makeshift and do things around. One thing that I thought was really interesting going into the, into training camp is when uh, Sheldon Keith talked about putting Mitch Marner on the back and, and doing those kind of things, you know, he kind of referenced, Kale McCarr, and he kind of referenced some of those type of guys, and I think that was his way of kind of saying, I don't have that. So how can I find other situations where 
if Morgan Riley isn't necessarily that as the number one guy and they have strong depth at the fence, but they don't have that, who can kind of step into those situations from my top end talent pool that can kind of close those gaps, whether we're trailing or needing a, a quick goal or, or the offensive ability. And that's why you saw Mitch Marner kind of come in and play a defensive role in like when they're trailing and it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if the Leafs are down 2-1 in a game in the playoffs with a few minutes to go that all of a sudden you see Mitch Marner on the back, like just trying to apply pressure and, and, and do those things. I think that's what the regular season's been all about for the Maple Leafs. So it's tough because, you know, the Leafs could do that, but are they going to, if they do decide, okay, maybe it's not forward. Maybe it's go, go gangbusters for someone like Eric Carlson. Is that really worth changing the dynamic of everything that you have? Like, uh, and move Eric Carlson as your number one D? In, in that spot and move Riley down. Like, I just don't, I don't see them rocking the boat too much there. I think they're, they're pretty much happy with the defense and feel like they're just going to take this step up and they've got some depth pieces and then just kind of look to kind of go forward and, and, and kind of tinker and experiment and, and find some consistency with these pairs. But when Morgan Riley went down and the defense stepped up and played pretty well, um, wasn't a knock on Morgan Riley by any means, but it, it spoke volumes that the depth is certainly there and you can kind of do some things and figure out, okay, do I treat my one, two and my three, four equally, or, or do I kind of have to rotate around? You know, Morgan Riley's kind of mixed around different defense pairs. I thought to some point unfairly that if you're going to have a number one guy, just, have them have a solid defensive pair, partner outside of injuries throughout. And it looks like they have that with Brody now. So maybe they, they kind of stick to that. And, and Brody kind of helps with the one-two by committee as having your number one. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a point of weakness for the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of bona fide number one defenseman in the NHL because there's just you look at the Rangers they just look so stacked right now with Adam Fox as their number one and the depth of all four of their lines and their goaltender I mean I, I don't know it's hard it's hard not to look at that and just kind of be bewildered and and look at the Leafs roster and figure how are you supposed to stack up against that yeah I, I think it's a relevant conversation to have because while we all we all understand due to the salary cap why the Leafs are where they are the question inevitably that you have to ask is how competitive is that? And knowing that you have to deal with Tampa and Boston, and then if you get through that, you're looking at the Rangers and, and other teams that have figured out a way not to have the least problem. And, and in terms of most of those teams, you're talking about a, a clear number one defenseman. So that's what you're up against. That's what you have to beat. We can justify why they are where they are. It's it's simple. There's the money spread around in another direction. So I think that's right. a, a relevant thing to talk about. And, and the other piece that I'd like to get into here is, so when we're adding the piece up front, now you like the third line center, and I don't disagree with you. I still would like to see the winger uh, for the second line, or maybe the winger that goes on the first line and drops bunting down. But that is a precarious situation just because whoever that person is has to fit in, complement, and add to what's already there. That's not an easy job. No, it's not. And it's, I mean, they've got a month to figure it out, right? Like, uh, the, the trade deadline is what it is. It's going to be March 3rd. The season's not going to end for another five and a half weeks after that. So you have runway. In 2021, the season was so short that it really was just kind of a throw everything at the wall 
and hope and see what sticks. And then last year, it worked out for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think anyone could argue Mark Giordano fitting in very well with the Toronto Maple Leafs in that trade deadline acquisition that he got. And then look at the two-year extension that followed. I thought Colin Blackwell was okay in that fourth-line role in terms of the other guy that they brought in and fit in well, although, again, they didn't quite get the job done. So so you could say the jury's out there. But um, if you're going to get a guy and you're going to get someone who's got character and the Leafs have generally... I mean, it's almost been... I don't want to say laughable, but it's just funny in the pattern that the last two years, they the day before the deadline, they acquire an existing captain of a team, like in Felino and then Giordano and certainly... Taves or Ryan O'Reilly kind of fit both of those in, in that regard. So it would be funny if that if they get one or the other there. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's certainly going to be a problem, but not like it is for any other team. It's just going to be a question of do they have a strong enough group that the, the character in the team is so good that that person meshes in. Um, the Leafs have kind of shown over the last few years that you know when they do add veteran presence that it hasn't necessarily usurped what was there like Mark Giordano is an add to that room it's not like his voice outweighs John Tavares voice the captain of the team or vice versa or anything like that they seem to kind of uh, mesh and fit in well so you know a lot of it's going to be back channel and conversations to talk about the player's attitude and if that gels and jives and in if they're excited about joining that mix because if they're not and they're apprehensive well then that's going to give the Leafs a good enough indication uh, whether that that player is the right fit for that team or not. Like the Ryan O'Reilly one, to me, it all sounds like he he would rather stay and just get an extension and not really move. Um, so, I mean, that might be a strike against joining the Leafs because if his heart's somewhere else and isn't really super enthusiastic, then is that really the right move there? Those are things that teams kind of have to weigh. Okay, let's end on this. Uh, you know, we uh, we always have conversations about who's going to come in and and who's going to uh, tweak and and add or or support to, to what's already there. But the bottom line is, in the Leafs in a playoff series, the the Fab Four up front have to get the job done. Now this year's a little different. Marner's uh, you know much more mature, but he has to deliver in the playoffs, and that hasn't happened yet. And with Austin Matthews, you worry about his health. You hope he's healthy. So still, regardless of what we're going to talk about, those four guys: Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, have to lead the way. Yeah, they most certainly do. I mean, look, um, William Nylander had a great playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs two years ago and had an okay playoffs last year. But game six last year, Austin Matthews has the puck on his stick, hits the post. We're talking about a whole different team and we're talking about uh, the stars getting it done, right? Like you need game breakers. You need your stars to rise up and take the game to a bit of a different level. Austin Matthews' production this season has been lower and I do feel that it's less of a priority for him this year because, you know, he has been talking about some of the other elements that he wants to improve on, that when it comes time to the playoffs, he's ready to kind of go into boss mode, which, as the kids say, just to kind of take his game to a different level when the game changes appropriately that way. So whether that's hitting more or, or winning more puck battles or doing those kind of things, it seems like that's more of a priority for him this year. And so that it, I like that change in approach because you kind of have to evolve and, and come to the realization that 
how you played during the regular season and the stock and the weight that you put into it is different than it is this year. So, yeah, they, they do have to step up. Injuries can happen. Other people have to step up. But you need contributions everywhere. And so who's going to be the hero, right? You want your stars to, to win those games. You need your goaltending to be better, too. But that's a big part. I'm surprised we went this long without talking about the goaltending. But um, yeah. Ilya Samsonov has performed well. And it's just really going to be a matter of can he continue this type of play and be the goaltender that they need for the playoffs. So, um, you know, Jack, Cam- Jack Campbell wasn't the solution the last couple of years, right? Like, there were a lot yeah. of games where you kind of felt like, oh, you could have used a save there. So there's a lot of different opportunities for a Maple Leafs player in a position, in a game, to be a hero, to change the narrative. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander are certainly them, but there's unsung heroes particularly in goal, and I always felt this because I, I always look at the game from a goalie first standpoint, you need your goaltender to steal you a game. There's going to be those games where your team just doesn't have it, but your goalie just stands on his head and is the reason you win a game. And I haven't seen that from the Maple Leafs in a very long time in the playoff. And so yeah. if they get that, the last time I can recall that actually was James Reimer game five against the Boston Bruins. Um, when they were down 3-1 in that series, and that series should have been over in five in Boston, and Reimer stood on his head. But since since that time, I haven't really gone to a game where it was like, the goalie here won you the game. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of different opportunities for, for guys to, to be the hero, and they've just got to figure that out. David, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. You got it. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. Time now for a lickety-split yes guy, no guy on the way out. Yes guy, no guy, number one. You like the blue line as is. Oh, that's difficult. I'm going to have to say no guy. It's effective. I like the unit, but then you have to project it against Tampa and against Boston. Does it measure up? It could, but right now I'm going to say with no acquisitions, no bolstering, no guy. That That's a tough one. No question. That's a tough one. Yes guy, no guy. The third and fourth lines as is are good. Well, I'm going to say no, guy. They need tweaking, as we talked about with David Alter. They've got to solidify those third and fourth lines because against Tampa, against Boston, guess what? They've got some pretty good third and fourth lines, and against the Bruins so far in games this season, the Bruins had the better bottom six forwards. And one to go on the way out. You are impressed with the maturation of the least best players. I'm going to say yes, guy, to that. That's an emphatic yes, guy. They play in the moment. They don't dazzle you. You give them an opportunity. They bury it, and that's what your best players should be willing to do, and they do it. So let's end on that. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Episode 17, Season 3 of Leafs Guy. I hope you come back next week for Episode 18.